You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. It is indeed. Welcome into the program. Noah Haynes is at the control. We thank you all for dialing us in and all for the opportunity to call us as well as uh, we're going to jump on the phones early and often today. Greg Kimbrell probably going to the Orioles. There's an interesting story if you're an old Braves fan and a fan of uh, guys that have had much success after playing high school and college ball in Alabama. And uh, then there are uh, the quarterback transfers, which are just piling up like bricks. That's an incredible story. Of course, we always talk about Alabama football and basketball. That is welcomed as well. So here we go on a Wednesday, Lars. What's up in your world? Well, uh, a lot of noise is up uh, right outside my window again. It's Wednesday, of course, right? Um, But, Matt, you buried the lead. You buried the lead because the top story has got to be we finally have the details of the origins of the Taylor Swift-Kelsey romance. Oh. Are you just? Can you wait to hear this? It, it is. Uh, it is. It is gripping, compelling stuff. That uh, so. Time magazine named her the person of the year, and uh, in 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 the article, she opens up for the first time about how her relationship with Travis Kelsey started. And she said, quote, this all started when Travis very adorably put me on blast on his podcast, which I thought was metal as hell. We started hanging out right after that. So we actually had a significant amount of time that no one knew, which I'm grateful for because we got to get to know each other. And then she said uh, she denied attending the Chiefs game by or she denied saying that uh that that when she went to the Chiefs game against Chicago that that was their first date she said by the time I went to that first game we were a couple I think some people think they saw our first date at that game we could never be psychotic enough to have to hard launch a first date <laughs> so there you have it there you have it uh the, the world has been waiting to know how this blossoming romance between the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, really? and Taylor you, Swift you began. Think the, you think the world has been waiting to know? I had a great idea. Turn down your microphone and turn up the lawnmowers. <laughs> you know I'm saying this all tongue-in-cheek, right? I, of course I do. <laughs> but I have questions based on just what, uh, on her verbiage. What does metal mean? Well, is metal? Is that what Yeah, I think we're going <laughs> to, yeah, it was metal as hell. It was cool. It yeah, was like cool. hardcore. No. No. Yeah, that was hardcore. Yeah, we're, Noah, we're going to need you, know, you to translate. No, yeah, Noah, Noah, we need you to translate here. <laughs> you know, I know my generation had some words that are not used anymore that were new then, like groovy. And I still maintain that we were the origins of, hey, that's cool. And they make sense to me. But metal? And what was the other one? The dipping? Well, she, uh, okay, so she said that, that Travis very adorably put me on blast on his podcast. Now, so, I don't even so, know what that means. Noah, Noah, on blast means like he made me aware, 
right? Or well, I would say he he like I don't know exactly what he said, um, but he he probably just like called her out, like mentioned her, and was like, "Oh, Taylor Swift." Usually, it's like it's like playful ribbing a little bit, or it can be playful, or it can be like calling someone out and like sort of criticizing them. But it's to call someone out, name name drop someone, and like say something about them. Usually, something with a negative slant, but it can be just teasing. Okay, and so she then clearly reached out to him. I think so. So he kind of made the first move, but she made the real first move, which is cool. I like that. I like that on a woman. Go after what you want, and uh, and then (laughs) and then okay. But then she said, "We we would never be psychotic enough to hard launch a first date." Okay. No. There's another one. Hard <laughs> Yes. Okay. So this is what I was not too familiar with this until last year. Um, so there's it's there's a, it's soft launch versus hard launch. A soft launch is whenever you like by bits and pieces sort of let the internet know that you have a significant other. Um, but like you might post like a picture of you like in someone's hand is in the photo and people are kind of like, well, who is this? So, but uh, uh, but you you don't really until it's like super official and you guys feel certain about the relationship. Then you're like, oh, this is my boyfriend or I'm talking to this person. Whereas a hard launch is you just like. Like immediately say like I'm talking to this person, and if it doesn't work out, I guess I'm just going to be embarrassed. Yeah, um, and I'm she did. She now. she she went on. Uh, this will be the last, and there there are really important uh, uh, stories to get to. Um, another one, Matt, is that the NCAA has proposed a new framework for the for the really for uh, how to pay athletes at the richest programs and it is something that is remarkably similar to what our old partner Jay Barker has been advocating for a long time but before we get to that I just got to finish this she did say that you know they have been seen uh, everywhere from Saturday Night Live to a bunch of different New York restaurants and Swift implied that that is by design and here's another juicy quote Quote, when you say a relationship is public, that means I'm going to see him do what he loves. We're showing up for each other. Other people are there and we don't care. The opposite of that is you have to go to an extreme amount of effort to make sure no one knows that you're seeing someone. And we're just proud of each other. So there you go. Isn't that sweet? Oh. Do, do you think? Do they make it, Noah? The, the, we need your opinion. Do they make it all the way to the finish line and marriage? I don't know that Taylor Swift will ever get married, but uh, um, I think uh, this seems this seems like a positive relationship. I think it, it she's does. Switching up, she's like it's like it's like whenever you date somebody of the same type of people, it's like switch up who you're dating. I think she switched up who, the type of person she's dating. So I'm interested to see how it goes. Wait a minute, you're giving some really good dating advice. Switch it up. Like if you date somebody and it doesn't work, just then the next person you date, date the opposite. Or date someone like she's dated a lot of like celebrity, like like uh, music celebrities or or, or 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 movie stars. But now she's dating like someone who's more of a football person, who's a celebrity that way, which is kind of different. So switching it up. That makes that makes sense, Matt. <laughs> I've I've never heard you. Sleep on air. That's really good. That's funny. Well, I, I'll credit you and Noah. <laughs> uh, if if I have difficulties tonight, I'm I'm going to uh, call you both up. Now I understand it, but um, I, I will say this though: um, it just seems an unlikely matchup. This big, burly, talented tight end from the NFL 
would be, you know, reaching out to Taylor Swift. By the way, I've still not listened to any of her songs in its entirety. I'm surprised that she doesn't have her own channel on Sirius Radio. Because I I have Sirius, and, you know, you and I are in the car together a good bit, and I've always wanted to, to play some of her stuff for you. It's, she's good. She's, she's a real, oh, I, I, she's talented. Out. They're both talented. Yeah. Noah, are you a, are you a Swifty? I, I, I'm just casual enjoyer. I like some of her stuff, but not all of it. Yeah. My brother's real into it. He went to one of her concerts. So when you go to all a right, con- as long as you guys have brought this up. <laughs> Jeez. Can't believe I'm going to ask this question. We're going to go to the break. Where is she on the list of hot? Is she a top ten in your book, Lars? I mean, I mean, is she a ten? She's she's very beautiful. She's striking. Yeah, I would say so. Is she the type of look that you would date? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That not me. That's Noah not is all right. What what would you? How would you characterize her looks? Oh, uh, I think she's objectively attractive, but uh, subjectively, she's not really my type. Yeah. No. Um. Now, I date her for her money. How awful is that? <laughs> but if anybody listened to the show and agree that she has great wealth and that makes her a little bit more attractive, they're crazy. All right. Um, I want to get into what you were talking about with the NCAA when we get back. We've got a good show lined up for you as uh, we will have Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. He'll be on at the bottom of the hour. And there's an article online about the number of quarterbacks that are getting into the transfer portal and some of them uh just my jaw drops is that you know these guys were having pretty good success at their school and uh you know but one guy leaves and i also feel greatly for the guys that have been standing in line behind them and suddenly a guy cuts in front of them i guess that's standard procedure let's take a break on big noon sports when we get back We'll talk more NCAA football. Of course, we're all acutely aware that Alabama's football team is uh, preparing for Michigan and lots of thoughts by that. And there is still a whole lot of griping going on in Tallahassee and Florida State. And now there are talks of lawsuits. It did cost the Seminoles a whole lot of money. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool afternoon. The high today, 52. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 30. We look for a warming trend tomorrow and Friday. The sky mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 59. The high Friday, 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Trolls, and we are talking about some sports now, okay? The Taylor Swift and Kelsey stuff is in the rearview mirror. Although I think a lot of the nation is quite enamored by this. I'm not one of them. I wasn't first. Okay, let's go to the phones at 205-342-9904. Ira joins us. My friend Ira, how are you? Matt, hello to you and Lars. Hello, hello. Hello. Yes, roll tide. And uh, Matt, uh, blast me out of here now on this interview. So <laughs> <laughs> That would be really metal if he did it. Hey, there you go. Uh, I want uh, these Ira, things. Ira, the laugh well, of the day. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, two things. The first, is it possible for you to play an interview that was on Feinbaum's show yesterday with Terry on Arnold, or is that outside the scope of of uh, network right you know, uh, ira many of those lines have just been erased now i don't know that we would play its entirety but i, I think we yeah. could get at you, to you some need to of yeah i bet a lot of you listeners maybe heard it i just i don't watch him that much but man that t- he's one of paul's favorite and it was oh. great uh he yeah, went to school me... with jimbo's son they were in school together i mean it it gave such a history and he almost went to Florida State um, and I didn't when know they that. let Willie, well, what was the coach's name? They let go and hired uh, this current guy. Uh, oh, uh, Willie. Then he ended up going to South Florida, I think. Um, Taggart? Um, yeah, Willie Taggart. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway. Hey, let yes. me tell you, Ira, let me tell you something real quick. All right. Because if nothing else, I'll grab it from them. Uh, Terry Ann Arnold is a part of what's been put together by the Alabama Crimson Tide or him or his agent. But he does interviews and, you know, he interviews for pay. And that's NIL. And to me, that's that's good NIL. Wow. And one of the deals he has is with Crane Works, you know, the huge construction renters of the all the cranes that you see on these huge construction sites. What a Um, personal young man he is. And he he, he's sponsored by Crane Works to be on Jocks. And right. I was listening to him 30 minutes before we went on the show. And he's just a dynamic interview and a fun person. They got to talking about the kind of music that he listens to before the game. And Lars, you know, that's the kind of stuff we eat up. But he right. listens to James Brown and gospel. And then he said he loves Phil Collins. Um, but I've, I've got you. You just you've touched a really good nerve in, in talking and about Terry on Arnold. I love. If you the can't guy. play it for the for the audience, uh, at least you listen to. It. I mean, it's great, and I bet there's okay. uh, seven or eight points besides the Tallahassee school uh, talk and uh, where he almost went to college. It, it was great. So, uh, but my second thing in short, I want to uh, you to play with uh, this twelve team. 
uh, playoff, Matt, for this year's selection. And, and we'll break some more hearts right quick. And I won't preface, if you can pull it up, I'm looking at the, the committee's, you know, final 25. And there's four SEC teams in there, Matt, in the top 12. And LSU's 13th. <laughs> but uh, my preface was going to be, isn't it uh, going to 12 to get bring in some of the schools like Liberty at 13-0? and 0? Wouldn't they be a, a, a candidate to be included or not? Or do the guidelines no. change? Play with I me. Think that's <laughs> why, I think that's why it's designed. Not 100%. Okay. But it's designed, I guess, to prevent things like happening this year. But you just mentioned it. Right now, LSU'd be, everybody in Baton Rouge would be throwing their arms up if they did 12 because they weren't in. So well, I don't think you're necessarily going to rid yourself of the problem of who's not in. But I do think it's going to give a Tulane, a Liberty, you know, give somebody well, like that a real shot. Each one you add, Matt, besides the five, uh, takes up a spot in that 12 right i mean who yeah. so but now lsu's 13 don't don't let me mislead the you or the folks but there's four sec teams in the top 11 mississippi missouri georgia and alabama no way they'll put four sec teams in the final playoff would they yeah i mean and you yeah. easily could put lsu in front of oklahoma so you really could yeah, have five um yeah well, you, you know, and just looking at these rankings, you, you, I, what what strikes me, and this is really the first time I've taken a hard look uh, past four, five, six, is Missouri at nine. What a great job Eli Drinkowitz has done there and building that program. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can keep it going. And also, wouldn't it be fun if uh, if uh, Lane were <laughs> in the playoffs, right, with Ole Miss? Um, that would add some some spice to everything. But um, yeah, I, it's it's hard to envision the committee putting in. I, I wonder, Ira, you bring up a great point. Oh. Will will the um, parameters? Will the uh, sort of guidelines for yeah. what they use to apply the metrics, will they change a little bit? Because you don't want a situation where you have five SEC teams and a 12-team playoff. I <laughs> totally agree, but I, that was my first thought when I uh, started looking at this last night. I said, what would happen this year? And... I said, no way. They're not going to put four SEC teams in the final 12. But I didn't know for sure if the committee was still going to be involved next year. Is that they are? Or as you know far that? as I know. As far as I know, yes. Yeah. I think but, Lars is right, though. I think you're going to have to change a little bit of your criteria. But, uh, you know, in years past, there's Cincinnati and South Florida and some of the, like you said, Tulane, Matt. I mean, the, if, if it's been in the guidelines, they need to get that clear because, uh, or else there'll be more teams mad yeah. mad than uh, Florida State. I mean, and do, would you put Liberty in? And you mentioned Liberty, Matt, 13 yeah. and 0. And right now they're 20. They're 23rd in this they're 20, ranking. They're 23 in this ranking. Oh. But, you know, do you put more value on going undefeated? 
Well, well it, and also, in, in that case, man, their strength of schedule is not going to measure up to anybody. No. So, and that seems to be yeah. one of the larger weighing points here. Uh, and, and against being a Power 5 conference. I mean, is a number two team in the SEC better than a Liberty? Yeah. Well, they are, Matt, but was it in – did it move to 12 to include – that's what my question is. Yeah, Why? and I think it did. Okay. I don't know if it will. Well, How about that for I, sitting on the fence? I'm going to listen. I'm just – I'm glad that <laughs> it's of interest to you and uh, – uh, One, we've yeah, got three and a half weeks. Uh, Gary r- reminding us uh, till yeah. we play football again. <laughs> so let's talk about some good things. And I'm yeah. so out we're in. My goodness, uh, me too. Well said, Ira. Good well, call. Well, well, Phone off. Yeah. Our- thank you, Ira. Um, Matt, one person who does not sit on the fence is Tim Brando. Tim Brando is going to join us at one fifteen, and. I believe wasn't his quote something to the effect of there's no way in hell Alabama's going to make it into the college football playoffs. I think earlier in the year he said that maybe when they were sitting at eight. I don't know. No, I I think he said it last week because, yeah, because he just he he said that he said that both he said that both Oklahoma State would have to beat Texas and Louisville would have to beat Florida State for Alabama to have a chance. Well, neither of those things happened. Alabama's in. I think a lot of people thought that. But Brando's going to light it up. Meantime, Mike Rodak is with us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports, and quite a few of our interviews and programming contacts of this show are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. In tune to that, let's go to Mike Rodak of Bama 24-7. Mike, how are you? I know it's a little chilly, but uh, sure is sunny. Things good in your life? Yeah, all good here. Just enjoying the uh, first week without football in a while. Are you doing anything to get away from it? I wish there's still uh, still news to write about, still things to do. So never really truly end until get into uh, you know the middle of January or so. Mike, uh, did you happen to see? Uh, and I'm guessing you did uh, this NCA proposal for a new framework to pay athletes at the richest programs. Uh, basically, it's uh, President uh, Charles Baker. He outlined this new proposal to alter the NCA's structure and create a new subdivision that would allow the richest programs to more directly compensate athletes through the use of what he's called a educational trust funds and uh, direct NIL arrangements. And and I won't get into the nitty gritty details here, but essentially you're gonna create a tier Right of, uh, of of programs, maybe I don't know seventy or or so, uh, and I'm guessing it would be within the framework of probably the three conferences: the SEC, the Big Ten, and, and the Big Twelve. 
Um, just your thoughts on this. And, and again, if you haven't uh, had a chance to really look into it, we, we can uh, skip over it. No, yeah, it's. Um, I, I would add the ACC in there as well. I think you, you, you think know, it, okay. Do you think like, it, yeah? That that is a question I have. Like, do you think the ACC survives? Well, yeah, that is, I guess, a separate question. Um, and yeah, you know, the ACC is probably the next frontier of realignment too, because I think there's going to be a breaking point. You know, especially with Florida State in their situation right now, they were already upset. You know, with um, some of the things that were said back over the summer. Um, and you could have teams like Florida State. And to be honest, like everybody talks about Florida State, Clemson, Miami as being like the schools everybody wants, but I always hear it's actually North Carolina. North Carolina is the big prize that if the Big Ten or the SEC could get them tomorrow, they would. Um, and I think Virginia is also up there as well in terms of new media markets and um, you know teams that have uh, schools that have you know pretty big um, you know what the right word is resources, shall we say? Um, so you know. The ACC might break apart because I don't know if Miami and, and Clemson and Florida State can survive in a conference with Boston College and um, you know SMU now, and it's just it's it doesn't seem to work to me. Um, but if it does survive, then I think you add it to those other three conferences, that brings you to about I think sixty nine or seventy right now. And uh, yeah, this is the proposal that that Charlie Baker's talking about, where um, you know you can't. And the same concept applies. You can't have all these schools that have tons of resources in the same subdivision as schools that don't. And there just continues to be more and more schools trying to move up to FBS that don't really belong. Um, you know, the Delta states of the world don't belong in the same division as Alabama and Ohio State. And these schools are trying to operate in a way where there's more efficiency in terms of paying players. Um, and that's part of this proposal as well, where schools will directly be able to enter into deals with players, which moves you closer to what I have been saying for years, I think is eventually going to be the end, end game of this, which is sort of a professionalized model where there's contracts and collective bargaining and, um, you know, just kind of more direct um, salary players. And it could be that these players are eventually deemed employees. There's a lot of uh, litigation out there that's that's trying to um, advance that cause. There's national, you know, labor relations boards cases, and there's all sorts of things that are pushing things in that direction. And the NCAA is essentially saying, let's try to get out ahead of it. So good for them. I mean, obviously the NCAA has been ripped over the years for for being too slow, um, and this is a pretty forward thinking model that uh, seems to embrace the reality instead of trying to suppress it. Um, and, you know, give Charlie Baker credit, too. I mean, he I grew up in Massachusetts. He was a two-term Republican governor in Massachusetts who did a really good job of you know, kind of balancing everything. You know, that says a lot in its own right, yeah. Mike. <laughs> it does, exactly. He's, he's really good at kind of balancing interests and uh, trying to bring people together instead of, uh, you know, just have people fighting endlessly. So I think that's what he's trying to do here is instead of fighting all of this, let's think of a model that works for both sides and try to bring everybody together. Well, it, it kind of, it would eliminate that hail, excuse me, this word's been used a lot, hail Mary. But I, I think about the fact that a Tulane could get into this, but let's face it, a Tulane's not going to win, unfortunately. It doesn't have that same long shot glamour that the NCAA basketball tournament where San Diego State or Florida Atlantic can come in and uh, 
they're just about to say, okay, you got 70 schools that are better than everybody else financially and on the football field. Uh, Charlie Baker's just saying, as, as, as I read it, Mike, he's saying, hey, why don't we recognize it and deal with it? Right, exactly. And again, I think this is a first step. And right now it would still be under the guise of NAL. It would just be schools directly paying players. Um, there would still be Title IX considerations that would have to come into play in terms of balancing men's and women's sports, which would obviously be very important in this case. If you're paying men's players, you have to pay women's players equally. Um, and then there would still be the um, prohibition against pay-for-play, which, again, that would be silly in my mind because this is obviously pay-for-play, but technically I guess they would keep that in place. So it's one step, but, again, there's there's – court cases in California and other states. There's the National Labor Relations thing. There's the antitrust case in, in the House of Representatives. There's a lot of things that are, um, from a legal standpoint, continuing to push that cart down the road where um, I think in an X number of years from now, we're going to be talking about you know players as employees. And look, I know people don't like that. I think there's a lot of people you, you listen to, that fans, that will say, it's ruining college sports. It's it's whatever it is. And look, it's it's only happening because there's money out there because people are willing to pay money to millions of dollars to players and hundreds of thousands of dollars for luxury suites and tickets. The money is in the system. It's just where the money is going is changing, where it's not going to be coaches and facilities. It's going to be players getting that share. So to me, it's like if you want a completely quaint system where players are just playing for the love of the game, that still exists. Like, go watch a Division II school. Go watch an FCS school. Like, that still exists at that level. But there's way too much money in the system, quite frankly, from fans and from boosters and from people who pay, that the money has to go somewhere. And I think this is a more equitable way to pay players instead of just continuing to put it in shiny locker rooms or just continuing to give it to coaches. Real quick, uh, do you think this proposal has a chance or a form of this proposal has a chance? Definitely, yeah. It, it seems like it's it's very realistic. I don't think um, Charlie Baker would be uh, going this far down the road. It's been something they've been working on and expected for a while. This is kind of the big reveal. Um, but from all the people who cover this a little bit more closely in the national level, it really seems like it's something that, that will happen. Um, again, it's just what happens after that is, is the big question in terms of some of the employee status. Mike, you have an excellent story up on uh, 247sports.com. Uh, the headline is, is this Nick Saban's best coaching job? What he said about each of his assistants, why they deserve credit. In going back and in putting this story together, did, did you, what did you learn? What did you learn when you actually could could piece it all together about what Saban has said about his assistants and uh, were you surprised by anything you that you found out? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I guess in some ways it's what you'd expect that Nick Saban's probably not going to stand up there and say, I deserve credit for everything and, um, you know, it's my best coaching job. And, in fact, it was something that he was asked last week by Eli Gold on his radio show where, uh, you know, is this your best coaching job? And, and Nick Saban said, uh, I wouldn't say that. And then he went into talking about how the real teachers in the building are the ones that are directly working with the players in, the, in each position room. So, um, you know, that's kind of where he gave credit. And I think he really does like this this group of assistants. I think he likes, you know, the coordinators that he has. Um, as much as people 
maybe not like them. Um, you know, fans back in, in you know, September or October, obviously, were getting on Tommy Reese. I think Nick Saban loves Tommy Reese. Um, so there's usually a difference, I think, in um, public perception sometimes and, and how Nick views the coaches in the building. And, um, you know, as just happened this morning, one of those coaches will be leaving, though, and, and Coleman Hutzler, uh, the outside linebackers coach and, and special teams coordinator who's been here uh, two years now, um, is going to Mississippi State, you know, to become their defensive coordinator. So he will be having to replace at least one. I wouldn't be shocked if there is maybe one or two more down the road, but, um, you know, he likes this group a lot of, of coaches. Our guest is Mike Rodak. Read that article and many more from Mike and uh, his wonderful group of writers at Bama 24-7. Mike will be continuing with us. We can talk about uh, Alabama, Michigan, even look back over the selection committee and so forth as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Ah. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool afternoon. The high today, 52. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 30. And look for a warming trend tomorrow and Friday. The sky mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 59. The high Friday, 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. In fact, it's right here. Big Noon Sports, Noah Haynes is our producer, Lars, Matt, and an often guest of ours from Bama 24-7. Read it, okay? Put it on you put it on your favorites list. That's what you need to do with Mike Rodak. Mike, we were talking about this earlier with the guest, and instead of just going back and forth of the if Florida State, if Alabama, I think we've, uh, we've probably played that out. Will the expansion to 12 cut down on this? Uh, no, it, because if you think about it, you know, you get the four automatic bids still for the top four conference winners, which next year is going to be the power four because the Pac-12 is going to be gone. Uh, and, you know, by all accounts, it seems like when they went, well, when they initially announced the 12-team playoff, it was six automatic bids, six that large. It seems like now that the Pac-12 is gone, they're pretty close to finalizing five automatic bids, seven that large. But even then, you would only have one SEC team that wins the SEC championship, which I don't know if that would be Texas or Alabama this year. Like, both of those are in the top four. And then you would have one Big Ten champion, which – Michigan and Washington are both Big Ten, and which one of those would be the winner? So only two of the tar- current top four teams would be top four teams next year. And your number three team next year would be Florida State as the ACC champion. Your number four team next year would be your Big 12 winner, which the highest-ranked Big 12 winner 
this year in terms of the teams that will be in the Big 12 next year is Arizona. And so essentially under next year's format, you would have teams like Florida State and Arizona that would rise up to become number three, number four seeds, get a first round buy, um, and then basically you know be in position as a well-rested team to beat a team like Alabama or a team like Washington or a team like Oregon, Ohio State, Georgia, a team that's not a conference champion um, that, quite frankly, is probably a better team. And so there's still going to be a lot of controversy about that when you have an Arizona that sneaks up to number four and you have Alabama that's number six or seven. Uh, that's just going to be the, the new frontier and the new um, place, I think, where people are going to argue. I don't think it's going to fix everything. With um, Tyler Buckner uh, entering the transfer portal and, and going back to Notre Dame to play lacrosse, which, by the way, is an amazing story. I didn't realize that he committed to Michigan as an eighth grader to play uh, midfield uh, in, in lacrosse for, for Michigan. But so this leaves for next year, uh, or at least on the roster right now. Let's just stick with that. Milrow, Ty Simpson, Dylan Lonergan, Eli Holstein. Those are the current scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. What, what do you think the quarterback room is going to look like next year? And is the fact that Ty Simpson hasn't entered the portal, and you said you have quarterbacks all over the country just getting in there, is the fact that he hasn't entered yet indicate that he's going to return? Yeah, so a few things there. Um, I'll start with Ty. You know, I think there's obviously – Guys aren't really going to go into the portal right now for Alabama because they're in the playoff. And if you do that, then you know you're essentially leaving a team before you can win a national championship. Um, so like even Tyler Buckner went into the lacrosse portal, but he's still going to be with the football team through the playoff. Um, and that's the only player, the only current player is, who's uh, gone into the portal. So um, officially, no, I don't think any players are going into the portal right now. But that doesn't mean unofficially you can't sort of have those conversations. I think it happens all the time. There's obviously agents that are involved on the NIL side. And so if you are a player thinking about going into the portal, I'm sure you could have an idea of what's out there for you. Um, a team might even save a spot for you, so to speak. Um, and then it officially, be, you know, you go into the portal officially after your last game. So I want to 100% read into that, but I also wanted to 100% say that Ty Simpson is gone. Because there's, you know, I've heard things the, the other direction that, you know, maybe he'll stay and continue to try to compete and win. Um, I don't think that's something we can rule out right now. So it will be a crowded room. Um, and that's the other thing is that you still have those five quarterbacks because, again, Buckner is going to be around for the next month here. Those five quarterbacks plus Julian Sayan, the, the five-star freshman, is going to be here next week. He arrives on campus. And then the following Wednesday, the 20th, he signs his letter of intent. He's going to be practicing with the team um, before the Rose Bowl. So you're going to have six quarterbacks, you know, saying won't play, obviously, but six scholarship quarterbacks in practice. And, you know, you can eliminate Buckner in January. Beyond that, you know, I think you still probably lose one more, whether it's Simpson or Holstein, I think would be the two favorites in my mind. And then you go into next year. And, um, again, I don't – I think Ty Simpson is a tough spot next year um, with Lonergan and Sayan and Milrow, but if he feels like he still has a shot here, then I think he'll stay. Mike, when does the transfer portal close? Isn't it the very first of the year? 
Uh, so it used to be 45 days when they first came out with this last year. This year they shortened it 30 days. And so technically that brings it to January 2nd. However, right. there's a provision in there that if you are in a bowl game or you know the FCS playoffs or the college football playoff, that you have a five-day window after your last game. And so if Alabama loses the Rose Bowl, there'll be a five-day window. Their portal okay. for their players will close January 6th. If they make the national championship game, it'll be January 13th. Okay. Uh, you cleared up. that You answered my question in its entirety. Is there a, is there a time, guys, if you see all these quarterbacks in the transfer portal, is there a time that they're maybe not going to take that brass ring grab at, at Alabama or Penn State or USC, and they may, might just say, hey, let me go to a, more of a mid-tier and take my brilliant talent to this level and go ahead and start playing. Because a lot of these transfers are quarterbacks that have gone to big-time universities and seen the competition, and they can't compete. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. And that's kind of what Nick Saban talked about when he says the portal almost creates parity in some ways because you can build a team faster if you're a new head coach, but also teams that are in that mid-tier, even though they might lose their own players, they could get somebody who comes from a larger school who hasn't played. Um, and so, you know, you, you, I think you'll definitely see it. Um, it's just, uh, you know, there's still the NIL aspect, you know, how much those schools can pay versus the big schools, I think is it's kind of like free agency. Um, and so you might, your, your best transfers are still going to go to the big schools that can pay. Hey, great stuff. I really enjoyed this last segment. Pretty deep dive and you explaining a lot of stuff to us. Uh, thanks Mike. Happy holidays. I know we'll talk again soon. You got all your Christmas shopping done? I haven't even started yet, but yeah. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that today. I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't started Christmas shopping for my three kids. Well, and you got three kids, but uh, <laughs> oh, I don't Th- enjoy thank you, Mike. out of the masses. Thank <laughs> you, you got Mike. It. Thank you. See you. See you next week. Um, Christmas talk next hour. Now, uh, got a couple other things. Did you see what happened? Mike McCarthy had to have appendix. We'll talk a little bit of uh, stuff outside the world of Alabama football, but it's always going to be there. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Nick Cope. The merry-go-round that is the New York Jets quarterback room keeps spinning. Today, Coach Robert Sala said Zach Wilson will once again start at QB this Sunday when they take on the Texans. Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell said they'll stick with Josh Dobbs at quarterback coming off their bye week. Bills GM Brandon Bean said linebacker Von Miller is available to play this weekend against the Chiefs. Bean also said he doesn't anticipate Miller being placed on the commissioner's exempt list based on talks with the league office. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy is slated to have surgery today after being diagnosed with appendicitis. He's expected to be released later on today and coached this weekend. In baseball, MLB Network reports the Yankees are close to finalizing a trade for Padres outfielder Juan Soto. And reports say free agent closer Craig Kimbrell is close to signing a deal with the Baltimore Orioles. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Tim Brando, join us in um, about 15 minutes, so hang on for that. Story on AL.com about the number of quarterbacks. Uh, Craig Stevenson from AL.com used the word Wild West as the transfer portal has opened this past Monday, and quarterback situation is crazy. Max Johnson's on the quarterback. Is, is, let's see, he went from LSU to Texas A&M. He's going to North Carolina because Drake May is going to the NFL. He'll probably walk in there and start. I've always liked him as a quarterback, Lawrence. Yeah, yes, uh, I have too. And um, it's been surprising that he hasn't been able to to find a home. And I think he'll uh, he'll he'll do really good there. Um, just being the you know the son of Brad Johnson, and he's just a he's a gamer uh, and he's sort of, you know, the classic gym rat who just can't get enough. But there are some interesting maneuvers uh, that are going on here right now. And it looks like Dylan Gabriel, um, the quarterback at Oklahoma, it appears that he's going to Oregon. And I think he is just going to be a, a tailor-made replacement for, for Bo Nix. Um, and, uh, you know, Gabriel's thrown for almost 15,000 yards in his uh, five seasons between UCF and Oklahoma. And um, 125 touchdowns. Uh, and, I mean, he's he's got experience. And this is a loaded Oregon team. Um, and uh, and Gabriel has played in that quick read air raid system for basically his entire career, and that's not too far removed from the that uh, RPO uh, playbook uh, that Oregon employed, and that uh, Bo Nix has uh, uh, thrived in. Right? It's uh, it, it's uh, it's it's all about like short area accuracy and creativity when a play breaks down and, and Dylan Gabriel has that and so I, I think he is gonna do uh really well and it just it certainly appears as if he is going to be at uh, at, at Oregon. Um I think Will Howard from Kansas State most likely is gonna end up at USC. 
Um, I think Cameron Ward at Washington State. Um, everybody's going to want this kid. He is really good. But I think he's going to end up at Ohio State. Um, and it, and it, it, it seems to me that Ryan Day made it pretty clear to his starter, Kyle McCord, that he is not necessarily going to be the starter next year because uh, McCord really was the first big name to get into the transfer portal. I mean, as soon as that window opened, uh, he was in it. And I I think um, he may end up at Miami, maybe Pitt, um, but... Uh, you know, we'll see. And another intriguing quarterback, I mean, and there's so many of them, Matt, Will Rogers. Um, I think Will Rogers is going to land in Washington, and that will give the Huskies an immediate answer to who takes the who takes Michael Penix Jr.'s place. Uh, I think it'll be Rogers, and and look, he's already one of the most decorated quarterbacks in SEC history. Um, he uh, broke uh, the SEC's record for completions uh, in in October of 2022, and this is amazing. Like he leaves Starkville with a total of 1,301 completions in his career, and his uh, yards he's passed for 12,315. That's second in SEC history. So, you know, he obviously is comfortable throwing the ball down the field. And that is perfect for what Washington does because Michael Penix, what, what's, what, are, what does he do? The best thing he does, he, he pushes the ball down the field. Um, and, uh, you know, he led the country. And this is a kind of a weird stat in, in air yards in 2023 with 2,186. And that just basically means he's throwing the ball down the field a lot. Uh, Huskies use a lot of play action, which was the staple of, of uh, Mike Leach's air raid, which is what Rodgers uh, played in for a long time. And um, so I, I expect to. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think Rodgers and, and Washington are, are a perfect fit. Um, it's just it's just crazy how the transfer portal and NIL has just fundamentally changed everything about college football, especially when it comes to the the game's most important position, and that's quarterback. Well, and and these are contenders. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know it's 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 hard to understand, but then again. Often you're glad they transferred, like Jermaine Burton and Marshall. I mean, they, these guys transferred from national championships, and then maybe they're going to win another one with a different team. Then we'll have another category to keep up with. But I'm looking through all of the guys, the quarterbacks of note. And, the, and let me tell you, at the very bottom of the article I'm reading, there are others of note. There must be 20 more quarterbacks of noted schools that are also already in the portal. My question is, I haven't seen any of these things where it indicates that Auburn's going to get a quarterback. Is the, I haven't seen anything. Have you? Not yet, but I would assume that uh, Hugh Freeze has got his eyes on, on someone. But at the same time, 
I mean, he got pretty good play out of his quarterback in the Iron Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know. Hugh Freeze might be comfortable with him, uh, Thorne, moving really? forward. Really? I don't think he is. I, I mean, I, I don't think so either. No, I mean, I, I, I'm i just speculating. I'm just throwing out a maybe, right? Uh, but I, I'm sure that there is one guy that he has targeted. And uh, I would almost think that the – if you're if you're a quarterback out there and you want to get ready to play in the NFL and you want to be on a big stage, man, Hugh Freeze would be a, a great coach to go to because you, you'd be in a pretty good situation on a up and coming program. Uh, you're not likely to play for a national championship, but you never know. <laughs> um, I, I I thought it was really interesting that. Uh, uh, and you know I can't pronounce his name, DJ <laughs> Ungalale. Ungalale. Yeah, that he got back in the transfer portal. Yes, he did. That was, that was just uh, I. I was really surprised by that. Yeah, he might go to Florida State, according to this article. So um, I don't know. Dylan Gabriel is the one that really makes me scratch my head because, darn it all, Oklahoma's playing pretty well. They might be a contender next year. And that's the ones that I just question, you know, like Burton transferring from a program that's already established and won a national championship. Why you transfer out of a program that's going to be a contender for the playoffs again? I don't know. Maybe somebody's coming in. Here's footsteps. But uh, well, also, I mean, moving moving to the SEC, like uh, Oklahoma's path to the playoffs just got a lot harder. I mean, don't you, in Oregon? Granted, they're going to be in the the Big Ten, so it's not like Oregon has uh, got a cakewalk. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's head scratching. Why would Dylan Gabriel leave Oklahoma? That in you know, uh, Brent Venerables just must be beside himself because uh, you know he beat Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and that Gabriel had a great game. In he did have a great game. He had a great game, um, but you know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, is it possible? Like, if if he does end up at Oregon, is it NIL money? I mean, probably. Well, yeah, I think the uh, the Phil Knight Nike money could attract anybody. Yeah, for Jalen Milrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jalen Milrow is being compensated pretty well, or at least he will be. Speculate. What do you think he's making? A couple of mil? Yeah. Wow. What would you do if you were a junior in college with $2 million, Lars? I know what you'd do because you're smart with your money. (laughs) I'd invest it. You'd put half of it away, you know? Yeah. Use the other half to pay the taxes because you're going to be taxed. You're going to be taxed at 48 what is it, 48%? Something like that? Uh, I think only you would know that. I sorry. Yeah, sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it's not 48. Uh, I think it's 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 high 30s, but it, it's yeah. a lot. You need to you uh, need to set a lot of money aside for taxes. I think you set aside at least a third. Yeah. Um anyway, that keeps you safe because the government will find you whether you're a starting quarterback or 
Oh, not going down that road. Hey, when we get they, back. They, they, the government, by the way, they tracked me down and said I owed like $12.45 that I didn't pay. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> okay. Really? That would make me breathe a huge sigh of relief. That's all? <laughs> That's all I missed? Wonderful. <laughs> I'll send you twice that much. All right. Uh, stand by, folks. The rocket is about to launch. Tim Brando is coming up on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool afternoon. The high today, 52. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 30. And look for a warming trend tomorrow and Friday. The sky mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 59. The high Friday, 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars, Matt, Noah, the gang is here on a sunny but a little bit chilly Wednesday afternoon. And joining us from Fox Sports from his home in Louisiana is Tim Brando. I'm assuming you're home, Tim. You yeah, doing your Christmas shopping? I was doing a little bit of that yesterday. Not, uh, not today. So you caught me at a good time. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, we got to start with last week because we were talking about Louisville having a win, you know, and uh, Texas Tech having a win. Well, neither one of those happened, and Alabama still got in. Uh, Tim, I'm going to just <laughs> hand you the ball. You can go from there. Was it Florida State or Alabama? Well, the question always is, is uh, did the committee get it right? And, and, and I, I, I sort of understand that to a certain extent, okay? But uh, it's, it, the, the question really ought to be, uh, how did the committee go about getting it right? Was that accurate? Is is that the way it should be done? And the answer to that is a resounding no. I mean, just you know, be honest, be transparent, and they never are. They absolutely never are. Boo Corrigan could have just looked right into that camera and told Reese Davis, hey, we had a conundrum here, Reese. The question was, who are you going to take, Texas or Florida State? And the and the bottom line is, if Alabama, if if you if you're going to take Texas, Alabama had to beat Georgia, and if you were going to take Georgia, uh, then Florida State would get in over Texas, because that committee had made up their minds they were not going to have this 14 field minus an SEC team. I mean that's the bottom line. That's exactly what happened here, and I credit um, uh, Commissioner Sankey. We're doing the groundwork that uh, commissioners must do for their constituency. He hit every platform at the Worldwide Leader, hit it hard, hit it really hard. Uh, and, and he's to be commended for that. Uh, he was on McAfee all day Friday. He was on game day with basically a 30 to 45 minute infomercial uh, for not just Alabama, but for Georgia too. Uh, you know, I think he wanted to get them both in and why not? You're the commissioner of the SEC. <clears throat> and, um, and he had a lot of ground support from the people uh, that have tremendous influence on that set on game day. And some of them even flip-flop, uh, uh, Greg McElroy being among those. And I have great respect for Greg. I think he and Sean McDonough might be the best broadcasting they have on, on ESPN. I adore Sean's work, and I think Greg is remarkable. But he has said maybe three days earlier uh, – the, the sanctity of college football is at stake. Uh, 
Florida State needs to get in. <laughs> so so when uh, when Herbie went the direction he did, everyone on that set was in lockstep with him, with the exception of Booger McFarland, who was the only contrarian uh, to that concept uh, in the first couple of hours of that. Now, I did wait around because I was waiting to see if... Um, if uh, Mike Norvell would come on the show, and he did not. But while I was waiting, Dan Mullen came on, albeit not with Kurt by his side or with Reese Davis or the main the main set. But he was with um, uh, Matt Berry and and uh, I can't remember who the other one that was with him, but might have been RG three. But bottom line is, uh, you know, Dan was another one that spoke up about it and felt that uh, Florida State had been wronged, and they were. There's absolutely no doubt about the fact that they were they were wronged and. So to that extent, uh, yeah, it's it's horrific what happened here. Uh, but the college football playoff committee had the seeds sown for the corruption from the moment that they went to a 14 playoff. We've been saying it all along. Really fortunate that it had not happened to this extent even sooner. We basically had it at bookends. We had it happen in 2014 when TCU and Baylor got screwed. Uh, because Ohio State beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing, and, and Urban Meyer's team jumped three spots and got in. And TCU, uh, for no reason, dropped three spots and went from third to sixth and didn't get in. They, they basically played Florida State as though they were a group of five team like Cincinnati or a team that had just lost 65 to seven in the championship to Georgia, which TCU had. And by the way, that's another narrative that Sankey trumpeted all through the spring and summer, you know, from the moment they were in Destin forward, okay? And um, it worked. I mean, it absolutely worked. Uh, Every day in this system, uh, you got to be trumping a narrative, and and that was the one that was being trumpeted. And uh, this is, by God, an uh, an invitational. In the the, that that paragraph, so-called criteria that we kept hearing all about, we all know that criteria is there. All of us have seen it. And basically, the criteria which says, you know, if key players are, that, fellas, that is code for in the end, if we're up against it, we'll do whatever we by God please. And that's exactly what they did. They did whatever they by God pleased. And that was, hey, we, we got to have an SEC team. We can't have this without it. And by, by Texas winning, uh, that opens the door for us to allow Alabama in, because you couldn't take you couldn't take Alabama uh, without taking Texas. So it was uh, a twofer, one way or the other. If Georgia had won, Texas would have been left out. Florida State would have gotten in at four. It would have been uh, Michigan one. Uh, uh, excuse me. It would have been Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, and Florida State four. That would have been your four had Georgia beaten Alabama. Uh, and it came out the way it did. So that's why we got the four that we got. Tim, what are your initial thoughts on uh, the two semifinal games? And you can start with uh, 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 Texas playing Washington uh, in the Sugar Bowl and then move on to Alabama playing Michigan, uh, two uh, storied uh, storied teams uh, facing off in, in the Rose Bowl. So you're going to go right there, huh? You don't want to discuss anything that I just said? No, no? I do. I do. I, I have another first, question really? on that, Tim. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's All right. go. If, if, uh, if Alabama were to play Florida State right now, who would be the heavy favorite? 
I don't care. No, answer my question, please, Tim. Of course if, if, Alabama would. Of course okay, Alabama would. Okay, doesn't that make them the best team available no, for the No, it does not. No, it does not. And, and, there, and there's another indictment that we let the betting lines determine who gets in. Why don't we just not play I never any mentioned of the regular betting season, line. Matt? Well, that's, I what, never mentioned what, betting what, line. That's exactly who would be favored. It's who would right. be favored. I did say favored. You're right. You're right. Yes, you you're did. Right. Yes, you did. I did. You're right. right. That's I did. on social media. That's what every crimson-colored fan on Twitter uh, comes at me with. And I don't give a rat's ass, Matt, who's favored by what. Okay? It's about the job that was done on the field. And one team went 13-0 and out of a power conference, played LSU non-conference, a top-15 team, blew them out in the second half, won by double digits. The other team, Alabama, got in on a prayer on 4th and 31. They were fortunate to beat Arkansas, a prohibitive underdog. We get amnesia about that because why? They're Alabama. They're Alabama. We can't have this without an SEC team. Georgia just lost. You can't take them. Their schedule is garbage. Even with the SEC opposition, their their strength of schedule is hovering around 100, worse than, than Florida State's was. Now, Florida State played everybody they could play in the ACC and won. And they played two games with a second string and a third string quarterback and still won. Okay? So you're going to tell me that team should be treated as though they're a group of five team, which they were. So that is wrong. That is just flat out wrong. But that is the system that we live in. And that's why I have condemned it as corrupt from the jump. Okay. You got to explain your definition of the word corrupt here. What, what corrupt is a rather, rather, that's a heavy dart to toss. How are they corrupt? How are they corrupt? They can take whoever they want, whenever they want, and have the ability to call it a playoff. Which I is, think that makes not. them aloof and arrogant. I don't know, think no, that, that necessarily no, makes it, them corrupt. It, it, no, it's corrupt. It's corrupt because they have no transparency. If they came forward and said, guys, here's what, here's what the deal was. We were in a situation where, you know, we had to either take um, Georgia or Alabama because the, an SEC team had to be in this thing. And we could only take Georgia if they won. We could only take Alabama if we brought in Texas. Just say what's true. So the, the the fact that they come back, Reese Davis asked him, I don't know how many times, and Boo says, well, they went at it six times, seven times, and all we could come up with, with, with was this. Well, why is that true? Why is that so? Okay, if they weren't corrupt, why aren't cameras in there during the, the process? Why wouldn't they allow access okay, to anyone who wants to see how they came up with the four? It is corrupt. All right, I got to. I just got to say one thing. I, look, I, I, I am really close friends with Kelly Whiteside. She was, and you probably know Kelly, uh, Tim. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the individuals are. Are, well, are it, but by imp, by I'm implication, by, by implication, you are saying that the individuals no, are I'm corrupt. Not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I am not. I'm saying the system is a corrupt system. I'm not saying the individuals on that committee are corrupt. That is a joke, and that is a lie. And that's an impl- implication that's incorrect. Wow. Hey, let's do this some more, Tim. Can you hang on? Sure. All I know right. a lot of this people on stuff. that committee, too. I know Boo Corrigan. Okay. I knew his dad really well. Know his, his brother, Tim, was a, a, a broadcast associate at ESPN with me. You can't take this stuff personally. Once you make it personal, then you're out of line. Okay. This is my professional opinion. 
and long as it has been since the beginning of this God-forsaken format that they put in place. Four spots for five Power Five teams. It was garbage from the start, and they got exposed for the corruption that they've always had. Yeah, the math is never fit. You are correct about never that. Fit. Tim Brando is our guest on Big Noon Sports. We'll continue this conversation in about three minutes. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, thanks for dialing us in on this sunny Wednesday afternoon. It's Matt. Lars, Noah's our producer, and Tim Brando from Fox Sports is our guest. Will this situation be remedied at all when they go to 12 and change some of the criteria, Tim? Yeah, that's the good news, but I think they've definitely got to change the criteria because this, this debate is not going to stop. It'll be over 10-2 and two teams and 9-3 and three teams in the future, and it's pretty evident that uh, the money and the power rules over the integrity. Integrity was lost. On, on Sunday. I mean, it was absolutely lost with what they did uh, to Florida State. Um, and as I said, it, it could have happened before and probably should have happened before. They got lucky, really, after the uh, the debacle in 2014. Nobody really made a big deal out of it because TCU and Baylor are, are not of the same ilk, nor do they have the same history and tradition of Florida State. And at that time, uh, TCU had just really gotten into the Big 12. They, they were had been a Mountain West team uh, not too long before that. So uh, neither Baylor or TCU had the juice of a Florida State. I mean, Florida State, uh, you know, now they're, they're, they're people that you wonder why they've been clamoring to get out of the ACC. This is why. Uh, and one thing I didn't mention that I, I should is that I'm well aware that uh, Jim Phillips, their commissioner, along with the then commissioner Warren of the Big Ten and uh, George Klyavkov of the now defunct Pac-12, they formed this ridiculous alliance that kept us from going to 12 this year. Otherwise, Florida State would have been in. So you know Florida State wants the hell out of the, out of the ACC. This this may really uh, put the, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, on, on um, uh, really on, on a death alert. Uh, they, they could be done in, in maybe three years. I mean, they could. Virginia and North Carolina could wind up going to the Big Ten. Florida State, Clemson, uh, maybe Miami, the SEC. I mean, we we could very well be on our way to three conferences, uh, three power conferences, and then whatever's left maybe forming a consortium for a fourth uh, in the future. The ACC looked really bad here. I mean, Greg Sankey wiped the floor with Jim Phillips this past week. He really did. Yeah, he did. Uh, no question about that. Okay, Tim, just forget about the committee. Just look, <laughs> okay. forget about We're the committee good. for a second. We're good. Who are the best four teams in college football right now? That it's simple question. Simple question? There are no four best teams in college football right now. We need to see a playoff. We need to see the teams continue to play. We had eight teams, Lars, eight that could have all been crowing as we were getting through that, that final weekend. That all had legitimate shots, in my opinion, to get in. Okay, it's not just that simple. I mean, <laughs> the locals all listen. I realize politics is always local, fellas, but it's never just the simple answer. Who are the best four teams? Just turning it down, dumbing it down to that one common denominator, which is exactly what the machinations were of 
the formatting and structure of that game day show on on some uh, on Saturday was setting up the commissioner to knock it out of the park. And Herbie and and Reese did a great job of throwing some batting practice for him to knock out of the yard. I mean, it was like home run derby for him. Okay, to help his case, the narrative was was set up beautifully. And yeah, I know that Alabama potentially is a better matchup. Uh, in the matchup that they have with Michigan, possibly could even win the game. And, and maybe Florida State, with its second-string quarterback getting healthy, which he would be out of concussion protocol to play the game, might not be as good, but we'll never know. We'll never get that opportunity. We'll never see that. Because those kids who went out and won every single game and did so at the end without first their first-string quarterback and then their second-string quarterback, busted their butts with a great defense, they get no chance. They get no opportunity. That's the issue here. It's not about who's best versus who's most deserving. Just dumbing it down to that, Lars, is pathetic. It's pathetic. (laughs) Go, Tim. Okay. Uh, it is. What's wrong with what I'm Well, no, look, I understand. But the answer to that question is really what we're getting at here. Uh, but I, I do oh, want to well, ask. The answer, I, I, the answer is, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. Frame the question differently, and I'll give you a different answer. Okay, I will. Okay. Tim, in your list of top ten teams in college football, how do they read right now? I don't do one after the final uh, right, what, what was your play. last one? I don't do what one. What was your last one? You don't do the one last after one, the college? The, the, la- the, last one I, the last one I had Florida State out. But by the way, uh, by the way, uh, that's another thing the committee could have done, couldn't they? They could have dropped Florida State exponentially when they lost Jordan Travis. They didn't. They didn't. They had Alabama at eight, which is where Florida State, by virtue of the decision that they made on Sunday, should have been rather than Alabama. And how do you justify having Florida State at five, okay, and then Georgia at six? Is that just supposed to make them feel good? Is that what that's about? Little pat on the butt? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, I could go over the corruption even more, Lars, if you want. But that's no, part I know. Of the I, hey, too. Tim, I, I was. Bill Corrigan was asked this question about Liberty versus about Liberty getting the New Year's Six Bowl over SMU, who beat Tulane. How did that happen, Boo? Well, Liberty won all their games. Really? Oh, it works with Liberty and the New Year's Six, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't work with Florida State when you're picking the top four. Tell me that's not corruption. Tell me that's not saying whatever the hell is convenient and utilizing that final paragraph in what is your godforsaken invitational, because that's what this is. No, point, all these point. titles are mythical. All of them oh. are mythical. No, all it, of them. It, Point well taken. Point well taken. Okay. Do you do you think um, the belly flop that TCU did in the national championship game last year against Georgia played a role in all of this? Yes, yes, and it shouldn't have. Didn't they not? Did they not beat Michigan in the semifinal game? Do we just suddenly forget? Well, I'd, I'd argue we that uh, TCU we understood. TCU, I think TCU knew that Michigan was stealing signs, and they, <laughs> they, they really, uh, they flipped the switch on that one. And I think there's more to come out about that. Well, well, we'll see. But the bottom line is that was part of the narrative, and that's the other thing that I do have problems with with Commissioner Sankey about trumpeting that was beneath him. Trumpeting, and he did that in Destin. Well, it was sixty-five to seven. Okay, 
And it was also inappropriate for Nick Saban to say in the aftermath, well, you know, we really should have uh, probably been in. Uh, our final was 60. I mean, um, if you look back on it, we really probably uh, – no, that's – how underhanded after the fact is that? You didn't get in. You lost a couple of – so you, you didn't get in. Get over it. And the fact that, well, you know, we would have been favored, so – and that was the premise that, that he used. Uh, the commissioner of the most powerful conference in America – Utilizing a sixty-five to seven outcome and a final score as part of his of, of his narrative, you know, to me is in a now. Granted, it worked, and God bless him. Thank you, as I said, absolutely is the most powerful conference commissioner. He clearly made Jim Phillips look bad, and the and the ACC and uh, and and understandably, the two of the victors go the spoils. But uh, that was inappropriate. I mean, uh, blowouts happen in the college game. Much more so, and we have larger. We've always had larger spreads in betting lines uh, from Vegas with college than we do with the NFL. This is the NFL, where every game is, for the most part, a two and a half, three, maybe six and a half, or six point spread. College football has always been different that way, uh, at every level, highest level to uh, uh, to the lower end of Division One. Hey Tim, uh, will it just be the ultimate and poetic justice if Florida State beats Georgia? That, it, no. It, that, none of that matters. No. It, and that was another stupid thing to say on that set after the fact. Well, boy, they could prove the committee wrong if they beat Georgia. Come on, fellas. Well, it doesn't do help to recite... get the $150 million back. No, right. And I, do, do I need to recite for you the, the narrative on Alabama when they had to play Utah the year Ohio State got in? Do I need to, yeah, Utah, do I need to go down that? I mean, Utah come on. slapped them around pretty good. I, yeah, and oh, but they weren't motivated. You know, they didn't care about that game. Oklahoma slapped and, them around, and, too. When, yep. And probably 14 or 15 of the players that are noteworthy, they're not going to play. Okay? Those games don't matter, Matt. They don't. Okay? Should so, change, let me... It, let me um, they don't. I just wanted to ask you what you think about the players that uh, decide not to participate in bowl games. Got no problem with it. I've got no problem with it at all. You'll never hear me go after a player... For taking care of himself. If ever there were proof that the system takes care of oneself, not the player, it's what we just witnessed over the weekend. Okay, those kids from Florida State are devastated, may never get over it. Mike Norvell, with his head hanging down, looked like one of the players. I mean, how does what does he say to his team? By the way, that's that's a team meeting that you ought to have. Uh, instead of having hard knocks go in to do uh, – NFL preseason. How about the documentary that could be done on on what Florida State's got to do between now uh, and that meaningless glorified exhibition that they're going to have with with Georgia? I mean, <laughs> if ever today's modern day internet athlete, internet athlete needed uh, uh, Exhibit A for why it's all about me and not about we, what happened this week to Florida State is Exhibit A. Tim, well, uh, Tim uh, up. hold on. One more quick question for Tim: How, how would you change it? Right? What would you? What would you? Do? Well, we expand it. I mean, we expand it. We already. Yeah, know but but I'm saying just for, for right now. Let's just pretend that we're not expanding for a second. Let's just stay focused on this year. What What would you have done to make sure that, in in your view, that Florida State would have gotten in? No, it's not about it's not about that. It's not about getting Florida State in. You're missing the point entirely. It's about telling the truth and being transparent from the committee's perspective on why they did what they did. You put yourselves in this position, okay? 
uh, we scrutinized the very first committee. Who's making up this committee? Remember, we all knew Archie Manning was going to be on it, and he had to have knee operations, couldn't be. Condoleezza Rice is going to be. Nobody really knows who's on these committees anymore. You mentioned Kelly Whiteside's good for you. You like her. She's a friend of yours. That's fine. I understand that. I do. But when you're part of a corrupt system, there's no way out, Lars. There's no way out. This was destined to fail. Absolutely, completely destined to fail from the jump. And it only happened because after the BCF debacle of the rematch of LSU and Alabama in 2011, too many people were in smoke-filled rooms afterwards that we got to stop. We got to put a stop to this. And of course, it didn't really matter. A few years later, we had an SEC uh, championship with Alabama and Georgia. It could, could have had probably more if we'd stayed at four, regardless of whether they played in the SEC title game or not. This was a system made to fail. The only change I would make from a committee standpoint with this god-awful system is be bold enough and transparent enough to admit what the discussion was about. And the discussion we have since learned, Dan Wetzel did a wonderful job, I thought, in his article in Yahoo. It was uh, a conundrum. If Georgia wins, Florida State's in. If Alabama wins, Texas, brought yourself, boys. You're coming to the SEC, and we help you get in your first college football playoff because that is exactly what happened. Have the guts to come forward and tell the truth. They don't tell the truth. And that is corrupt. Had they just come out and been all transparent about it, would you be okay with the four that they selected? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I would have been. Ah, yes. Yeah. All right. Hey, Tim, yeah. go hit the links. Go get some crochet shopping done. Appreciate your stance and uh, your spirit. Thank we'll you, talk Tim. Next well, this is awesome. I've done it for over, I've been this way for over 30 years, fellas. I've been fighting this fight, and no one's going to keep me from continuing to do it, and that's even with 12. If they don't change the criteria, I'm calling their ass out. Good. Thank you, Tim Brando. Awesome. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you. You bet, fellas. Uh, I think we're already getting follow-up calls, so we'll take them in just a moment on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny but very cool afternoon. The high today, 52. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 30. We look for a warming trend tomorrow and Friday. The sky mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 59. The high Friday, 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate her sponsorship of our program. Let's go to the phones immediately. Reaction to Tim Brando. James, what's on your mind? Yeah, I, I just... It's a, this is all crazy. If Booger... And Tim, if if LSU was in the exact same situation right now, they wouldn't. Their tune would be changed. Okay, they hate Alabama, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, you, I think if there's LSU, some dislike there. LSU, if LSU had lost to Texas and beat Georgia. It was number, and they got jumped up just like Bama. You're telling me Tim Brando would be would be talking the same way he's talking now? No way in hell. Well, I don't know because that didn't happen. But perspective and your loyalties 
and I'm not necessarily saying this about Booger or about Tim Brando, but everybody looks at it from their own angle, angle their own perspective. I yeah, I, I understand that. And, 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 and you know, they're Just talking like, like the... Well, they're talking like the FSU kids are, are getting hosed, and they are, but nobody's saying... Well, Bama beat Georgia, number one team in the country. What about those kids? You know? Yeah, I, yeah, I think Georgia has a reason to be, you know, you know, they were number one team of the nation for two years, so I don't know. Uh, Lars, your comment here. Yeah, and I'm not saying Tim Brando is doing this, uh, but there is a long list of media people that have made careers and literally millions of dollars by doing one thing, and that is agitating Alabama fans. The top of the list is Clay Travis. Clay Travis made his name by pissing off Alabama fans. Uh, hey, James, uh, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. And call more often. Let's go to Warren. No, He's no, it's, it's great. It, it is what it is, and I wish we had the 12-team playoff this year. Yeah, I, I do too. Great point. Good rap. Uh, I think we've got Warren on hold listening to Big Noon Sports. Hey, uh, uh, real uh, real quick, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't read, read the article um, uh that the gentleman had written don't want to relitigate FSU not getting in um, uh, they didn't get in um, don't want to get into the outrage and uh, the kids feeling bad I'm sure they feel bad fact is Alabama's in that's it <clears throat> uh, I know Clay Travis yes he he made his living on hating Alabama one thing he will not uh, relent on is that Nick Saban is a great uh, great coach. Alabama's a great team. You won't get him to deny that. Um, look, um, uh, uh, you're going to get the 12-game playoff. Um, the Blue Bloods will be up at top. The great teams will surface at top. The mediocre teams will fight it out at the bottom. At the end of the day, you're going to see the same scenarios, Okay. Um, it's, that's how it's going to happen. It's just going to happen that way. Nobody will be happy. You'll get the same scenario that you have right right now. And um, that's how it's going to be. Uh, the sportscasters, the guy who, like yourselves, who make their living talking about sports will continue to do so. Uh, that's how the world turns. Uh, you write articles, you do those things that make yourself happy and the sports fans happy. We'll call into these shows. And uh, we'll gripe and complain. That's how politics work. That's how the uh, social economic system works. It's no big deal. I love it. That's why I call into your show. I like to talk about it. And I enjoy it. Um, hey, we, we kind of like it, too. <laughs> enjoy doing it. Um, FSU, uh, uh, Florida State, uh, the coach's attitude, how he responds. What he did, I think it's ridiculous. It shows no real class as a coach. Um, he will play a game against Georgia. Georgia will drum them. Um, and, and, and it's sad. It really is sad uh, for a great season that he had. The ACC, in my opinion, is a very weak, weak conference. Bobby Bowden had an opportunity to leave it in 92. He said, no, 
we're great right here. We can uh, actually win a national ch- title from the ACC. We're not going to move. Also, there's also reports uh, that, that the uh, the holdup for them doing the doing the um, moving into a 12 game playoff came from the ACC yeah. uh, um, commissioner. Uh, that's mm-hmm. out there. I don't know why yeah. Booger and all the rest of them who are complaining don't talk more about that. You know, these guys need to get on their game. I, I love uh, the fact he brought in his defense. I, Tim Brando did mention that. I love the fact you brought up Bobby Bowden. How do you think Bobby Bowden would have responded to this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we need to. So you know, you know, we want to be all transparent. Be transparent about those things. You know, it's like a politician. Talk, say. Well, they're not going to tell you the truth. But um, <laughs> it's just like the NIL deal. You know, I mean, it's. It, I mean, if we're honest the way we want to be honest about things, we could deal with this thing. But All guys, right, Warren, we are flat out of time. I'm sorry. We'll pick it again up tomorrow with, with your phone call on Big Noon Sports.